Psalm 44, for the chief musician, by the sons of Korah, a psalm of contemplation. We have heard with our ears, God, our fathers have told us what work you did in their days, in the days of old. You drove out the nations with your hand, you planted them, you afflicted the peoples and you spread them abroad. They didn't get the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them, but your right hand, your arm and the light of your face, because you were favourable to them. God, you are my king. Command victory for Jacob. Through you we will push down our adversaries. Through your name we will tread down those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither will my sword save me, but you have saved us from our adversaries and have shamed those who hate us. In God we make our boast all day long. We will give thanks to your name forever. Selah. But now you've rejected us. You've brought us to dishonour and you don't go out with our army. You make us turn back from the adversary. Those who hate us take plunder for themselves. You have made us like sheep for food and have scattered us among the nations. You sell your people for nothing and have gained nothing from their sale. You make us a reproach to our neighbours, scoffing and derision to those around us. You make us a byword among the nations, a shaking of head among the people. All day long my dishonour is before me. And shame covers my face at the taunt of one who reproaches and verbally abuses. Because of the enemy and avenger, all of this has come on us, but we haven't forgotten you. We haven't been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back. Neither have our steps strayed from your path, though you have crushed us in the haunt of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a strange God, won't God search this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Yes, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. Wake up! Why do you sleep, Lord? Arise! Don't reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our body clings to the earth. Rise to help us. Redeem us for your loving kindness's sake. This psalm is in two parts. The first eight verses are very positive and then the rest is terrible. <laughs> the first eight verses, it's like, you know, we've heard what you did for our fathers, how you destroyed the enemy and brought them into the land. And then after about verse nine on, it's like, oh, but now our enemies are defeating us. You know, and Lord, we've, we've, we haven't done anything bad to you. That's what he's saying, you know. So why is all of this happening? So rise up and help us. So there's two parts and I'm gonna comment about both of them separately. In the first good part, <laughs> there's this uh, kind of like um, remembering of what God has done in the past and a kind of a prayer that says, Jacob, uh, you know, God of Jacob, give us victory. So there's this idea in the first half of the Psalm, the positive half, that the Lord has done wonderful things before and he has, and that we're supposed to see these wonderful things too, and we are, and we're supposed to pray for them, and we should. So in your life, you know, you'll know the stories of things that, you know, your parents have done for the Lord, or your spiritual leaders have done. You'll hear stories on Sunday in the pulpit of what God has done in the church, or how people have had prayers answered. All of these are the wonderful things God has done before, things that the God of Jacob has done, 
But now you for yourself are supposed to press into the Lord and find your own victories, your own testimonies and your own stories so that you will have a story to tell. So each generation must find the Lord for themselves. So as parents, you know, we want to impart life and grace to those who come after us, but they have to want it and they have to seek the Lord for it themselves. So your stories will become an encouragement to those after you, just as the people before you have stories which are an encouragement to you. But if you don't have any great stories yet, you're supposed to press into the Lord and find them for yourself. So this psalm reminds us that God's a generational God and each generation must seek him and break through. The Lord has much more yet to do. His best things aren't in the past. There are more best things ahead. But then we get to the second half of the psalm, which is the more depressing half, <laughs> where the, the writer says, you know, we haven't forgotten you, but why has all this come upon us? It reminded me, uh, in, in verse 17, the perfect example, it says, all of this has come on us, and yet we have not forgotten you. We haven't been false to your covenant. To me, it sounds a bit like, if I was going to try to put a historical moment onto it from Israelite history, I would say it sounds like the south, the tribe of Judah, which was the faithful tribe to God. You know, the north went off and was crazy. The south wasn't. So, you know, in the time of Rehoboam or whatever, They've, they've been faithful to the Lord, but the Lord has split the nation and taken away all the ten tribes, and now the south is like suffering, and there's like a civil war going on between the north and the south, and it's like all of this has come upon us, but we've been faithful to you. That's what it seems like. So uh, why would the Lord allow difficulties to come? Um, well, sometimes it's not because of you. you know, in other words, why would there be difficulties in your life if you feel like you've tried to follow the Lord, you've tried to do what's right, why have there been difficulties for you? Shouldn't life be comfortable? Well, there's no guarantee. The Lord doesn't promise us comfort. <laughs> and there's plenty of examples of people who follow the Lord who have not had comfortable lives, pretty much everyone in the Bible. And Jesus is our main example, and he's someone who was crucified for us. So we do know that following the Lord does often mean going through times where we're not comfortable. But there's a great example in the New Testament, it's Acts chapter 7, where the church was living in Jerusalem, the gospel was having an effect, people were getting saved all the time, but God had told the church to do something. He had told the, all the believers, and they were all Jewish believers at that time, so the church was completely Jewish. God had said to them to go into all the world and preach the gospel, he told them to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So they were supposed to be leaving Jerusalem, but they didn't. <laughs> and um, so apparently, I haven't verified this fact, but apparently it was something like 20 years that they were in Jerusalem. There was this like huge big chunk of time where they were just there. And uh, it says in Acts chapter 7 that on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church. So they were doing good things. They were in Jerusalem. They were loving the Lord. They were faithful to him. Um, but on that day, the Lord brought persecution upon his own people. And what happened was they spread everywhere. And wherever they spread, spread, they took the gospel with them. So it turned out that they were persecuted. It turned out the Lord was in it. it. turned out that was so wonderful because the gospel spread. Now in verse 23, it says this. For your sake, we are killed all day long. 
we are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. That verse, Paul quotes in Romans 8 verse 36, saying, for your sake. Paul was writing to the Romans and was saying, for your sake, for the sake of the Romans, for the Gentiles, for the sake of other people, I am being persecuted. Paul was making the point that he was suffering, that he was struggling, but it was for the sake of others. So sometimes the Lord brings difficulties against his people or he allows difficulties to come against his people. It's for the sake of others. Just as Jesus died on the cross and he suffered for the sake of the whole world. So yes, sometimes suffering comes because we've just been dumb, we've done the wrong thing and there's consequences. Sometimes suffering comes because we have an enemy who's attacking and we need to pray it through. But sometimes the Lord allows suffering, it's for the sake of others. There are various reasons. So here's this psalmist saying, we haven't done anything wrong, why, O Lord? But then in verse 22 is the answer, for your sake, for the sake of others, for the sake of the purposes of God, these things are happening. So our greatest joy and our greatest response in a situation like this is to say what Jesus said. He said, Lord, you know, here I am, let your will be done, but not my own. And there are times when the Lord wants to put you through a little moment, but it's, it's necessary. And if you have the hardest surrender and the hardest submission, just like Christ did, then out of this will come the most wonderful new life. Just as resurrection life came out of Christ's surrender, so resurrection life and more wonderful things will come out of your surrender too. So you need to let it go <laughs> and accept the process that the Lord may put into your life. So Lord, we do. We, Lord, we don't accept the battles we don't have to accept. We don't accept, Lord, the, the oppression of the enemy and we throw it off in Jesus' name. But Lord, we know that sometimes there is some suffering with purpose. And Lord, we, we say that we're willing and let your name be glorified and let your purposes be fulfilled. And give us wisdom to understand the times and the seasons that we go through so that we might always have the right response. In Jesus' name, amen.